We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by Michael Fachi. Fachi, how's it going, brother? Life's good. Life's good. Like I've said before, you know, broken record. It, it could be better. And I, I think that right now, the Pacers, once again, played a good game, but they're on the opposite end of the win column in this one. You, you can't fault them because they were without Tyrese Halbert tonight, and they were playing the defending champs, so I can't be too mad, but we did let one slip away. Yeah, the Pacers lose 114-109 at home against the Denver Nuggets. They are shorthanded, though, because Tyrese Halliburton not available for this game, and he will not be available for the next two games against Philadelphia and Phoenix. There is uh, expectations that he will be back against Memphis on the 28th. That is a Sunday game at 3 o'clock in Gambridge Fieldhouse, but it's still up in the air. So Rick Carlisle comes on the radio this morning about 8 o'clock and breaks the news that Tyrese Halliburton is going to miss the next three games, so this Denver game included with the two games I just mentioned. And I think a lot of people were a bit frustrated just because Tyrese Halliburton came back against the Portland Trailblazers on Friday night and Pascal Siakam's debut. 
had 20, 22, 21 points, 17 assists, zero turnovers, was a plus 16, like played lights out, played 35 minutes, and then all of a sudden he has to miss the next four games at least. So it seems like there's something here that the Pacers maybe aren't wanting to say, but I don't know. It was just a weird way for him to come back and then all of a sudden be back out for another week. Yeah, it kind of does feel like Indiana's beating around the bush a little bit. They're not quite saying, hey, there's been a re-aggravation or anything, but the fact that they're resting him for three games, all signs then point to is, then why did he play nearly 35 minutes against Portland? Because mm-hmm. it just felt that no one was even expecting him to come back against Portland. You and I were talking off air. I mean, if we would have been betting men or guessers, whatever you want to say, I thought he would have been out for about a week. I thought he probably wouldn't have returned until that game against Memphis. So it was just ah, like, if you were going to bring him back, why also play him for 35 minutes? It's easy to say that looking back. Obviously, there there had to have been some sort of excitement around, hey, you know what, Siakam, it's first game. Like, we can get out there and, and, and get a win. And it didn't work out that way. And it is unfortunate. And he looked so good, you would have never knew that there was any sort of, you know, aggravation, flare-up, whatever it is that that you want to say. But looking back, it it looks like it was the wrong move. And I I think that now the Pacers are probably saying, you know what, we need to be extra careful here because there is still a lot of the season to play. And his health is everything to the Pacers. Last year when he went out, the team collapsed. This year, it looked like we were going to be weathering the storm. We were 3-2 and in that stretch. Without him, comes back against Portland now. All of a sudden, we're kind of going down a little bit. Losses to Portland, losses to Phoenix, you know, a, a loss to Denver now. This team's sliding a bit, but there's a bigger picture than short term. And for now, I think it's smart to rest Tyrus Halbert. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to share the quote, from, from Rick Carlisle, he said, it's not a re-injury, just injury recover management type stuff. I thought that was interesting. He also went on yeah. to say that our training staff wasn't comfortable how Tyrese responded to uh, his return in Portland. Okay, so it raised some concerns. And I, and I thought to myself, okay, I'm not going to sit here and play detective and say, oh, well, this is what happened, and they did this, and they did that. No, I, I just feel like it's a tough situation with hamstrings because they can be lingering and they can probably come back as fine. And then all of a sudden you just plant one way or, or turn your body another way and it can re-aggravate it. So we'll see. Hopefully it's not a long-term thing with Tyrese Halliburton because at the end of the day, this team only goes as far as Tyrese Halliburton can take them. So if he's going to be out with an injury for a significant time, you let him rest up and get as healthy as possible. I still think the Pacers are a lock to at least make the play in if Halliburton were to miss like another 15 games in a row, I, I I still believe in this team enough to think that they're better than the bottom five in the Eastern conference. So that to me is where you just have to kind of be careful here and be cautious with Tyrese, because if he was able to come back and play that well, after just a two week, you know, recovery period to me, it says, okay, he, he probably was a little bit ahead of schedule for him to play that well, but we saw the grimacing, on his face in that game against Portland. We were both a little bit worried about that. Is he going to play against Phoenix? I thought he might miss Phoenix, come back and play, you know, the next four games at home. Just kind of like, you know, rest in Phoenix. It's been a long week, been traveling a lot, but no, unfortunately it's, it seems a little bit more serious. And right now, after this game, the Pacers fall to 24 and 20, they've lost three in a row since acquiring Pascal Siakam and their schedule. It's tough 
after this Nuggets game. They've got Phoenix and Philadelphia. They got Philadelphia Thursday, Phoenix on Friday. They have an easier game against Memphis on Sunday, but then they go on the road against Boston on TNT. So it's not going to be easy the rest of the month of January, but I've liked the way these guys have played, Vachi. I really have. That's the thing. It's like you don't want to just consistently be patting yourself on the back and saying, we played hard, but we did. We did play mm -hmm. hard, and the Pacers have been in each of these games. The loss against Portland, yes, it's, it's a bad loss. Okay, I get it. We've already talked about that. They played Phoenix really well. There was opportunities to win that game. Against Denver, there was opportunities. The Pacers led 103-102. They played, honestly, they played three good quarters and one really bad one in the third quarter. And in my opinion, that was the difference. But let's be honest. I mean, Denver had their superstar. Nikola Jokic made superstar-like plays. The Pacers didn't have their superstar. And yeah. I, it is very easy to say this is a game that you win with Tyrese Halliburton. But I truly believe it. I really do believe it because it just felt different. From the start, you were you know, at the start of this game. It felt like okay, things are going to be different. And then I mentioned that third quarter. It was it was a major collapse. Indiana got, got outscored thirty nine to nineteen. It was the only quarter that Denver outscored the Pacers, and it proved to be enough because towards the end, when it mattered most, Indiana they they just didn't have that shot maker that is Tyrese Halliburton when you need him to bail you out. That was nowhere to be found tonight. No, I mean, it's a great point. It's not one of those things you want to continuously say, but if Tyrese Halliburton plays in about half these games the Pacers have lost the last couple of weeks, they're probably four or five games different in the win column versus the loss column. I just, you know, having, having Tyrese healthy is huge, and it just provides so much more for this offense. And there was a long stretch of time in that third quarter where the Pacers just needed a bucket. And we know the Nuggets are a great team. They came out and they punched Indiana in the mouth to start the second half, and they never looked back. And the Pacers really just had a hard time getting into a flow offensively. Rick Carlisle gets ejected, gets two technical fouls because there was a no call on Pascal Siakam, which could be debated that it wasn't even a foul. So, you know, but I, I think it was just there was a couple of different times where it felt like Pascal was going to the basket and getting pretty you know, getting hacked pretty hard and they weren't calling anything. And I think Carlisle was trying to show, hey, you know, this is our new guy. This is our new second star. I'm going to stick up for him. I'm going to get the double tech and get ejected. And I think it did ignite a little bit of energy into the building after it had got so deflated. But still, Denver was able to kind of keep their foot on the gas. And when you're able to outscore a team by 20 in a quarter and almost give up 40 points in a quarter, it's just a hard time. It's, it's hard to recover from. So you go into the fourth. And DeAndre Jordan's playing, and I'm thinking to myself, if they can cut this to about six points with uh, DeAndre Jordan in the game, maybe they can make this a game. And they cut it to about eight or nine before he came out, but the Pacers were still able to get it down thanks to T.J. McConnell's spectacular play in the fourth quarter. And they rallied back. They got the lead at one point, but they just couldn't hold on. It felt very reminiscent to the Suns game in that second half where they finally got the lead back, but they just couldn't hang on to it. There was a very questionable call at the end of the fourth quarter with Nikola Jokic uh, setting a screen on Ben Shepard, Ben Shepard fighting through it. They originally called it a moving screen. They challenge it, go back and say, actually, Shepard fouled Jokic first before the shot even went up. So they take away the three points and they give Denver the ball, and then Jokic hits the three after that. So, I mean, it was just 
there was a couple of dagger plays there, Fachi, that just kept this game from really feeling like the Pacers had full control of it. Yeah, I, I do feel like that was a momentum shift because one, it also killed the momentum. I feel like it took a while to do the review and everything of the sort. And then obviously at that point, it was a pivotal call. But you don't want to blame this on the refs by any means because the Pacers had opportunities. They had chances. You talked about TJ McConnell. McConnell was an absolute spark for this Pacers team. He went on a run during that stretch of the fourth quarter. 17 points, 7 assists. He was a plus 10. That was the best rating of any Pacer. But you and I were also talking offline. When he subbed out, he did not sub back in. And I felt like, I don't know, with that, the Pacers went a little bit colder. And I, I think that that was tough. But, you know, another thing while we're, I guess, talking about the bench. And I know this is not the main story, but one of the feel-good moments in this game was Ben Shepard's sequence that he had. That man was everywhere. Hustled for an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw. He's diving towards the sideline, saves it. It's like strips it. And they, you know, they're they're diving on the floor. He doesn't come up with it. Gets up, strips it again, and lays it in. It was electric. Had me on my feet. This was funny. My wife turns to me and goes, he's having the game of his life. And it was his first basket in the game. But it was just that much of a moment that it was just, you would have thought that he was taking over. He ends up hitting a three-pointer, you know, moments later. But that swing, that play, the hustle by Ben Shepard was just like, it made you feel like this kid's going to be good. But it's going to take some time. But that type of hustle is everything the Pacers need because that, Felt like a momentum shift. The crowd really got on their feet. That was a big difference in this game, even if the Pacers didn't finish it out and get the win. He he was in the right spot defensively for multiple times in this game, and I absolutely love the way that he played. He's a rookie, and he earned those minutes. And it, his defense was so impactful, it kept Buddy Hill from getting back into the game. Yeah. Lloyd Pierce decided, you know what, I'm going to ride with the Rook because he just made some huge moments. And honestly, I feel like that layup that he got on the steal, he got fouled. That should yeah. have been an and one. So, you know, he hits the three to give the Pacers a 103-102 lead. And it's just like, okay, Ben Shepard has arrived. Ben Shepard is here yeah. right now, and it's not too big of a moment for him. So I was really enjoying it. I was getting excited in my house watching it. I mean, I'm, I'm cheering for Ben Shepard because – most of the time, if that would have been anybody else that's regularly in the rotation, I wouldn't care as much. But it's just cool to see a guy out there go out and like just play as hard as he can to earn those minutes. He was like entering, you know, entering his TJ, uh, channeling his inner TJ McConnell. That's what yeah. I would say it there. Fair um, statement. I, I finally got to it, but you know, channeling that inner TJ McConnell, and I was like, man, he he really is just playing great basketball. Like his hair is on fire. So I, I've really appreciated just that, and I felt like it was the jolt of energy that they needed. Pascal Siakam's chest bumping him after he makes a layup, and the Nuggets call fouling. You could just tell that was the moment of the game. There's no doubt about it. McConnell had it some was. big moments. You know, Siakam had some nice moments in the first half, but that that sequence right there was the game shifter in in, in the entire game. And, and Ben Shepard deserve to be kind of like the player of the game for that moment. So I, I really enjoyed just watching him take that opportunity, grab the bull by the horns and run with it because a lot of times you can see rookies getting that moment. It's a little bit too big for him, but he's getting more comfortable because he's gotten some more run and he didn't even get any run in the first half. I don't believe. So it was all second half and 
kind of made me wonder, would he have even gotten into the game if Rick Carlisle was still calling the shots? I don't know. That's a, that's a fair point. Maybe it could have been a couple of minutes, but I don't think he would have been able to have the chance to have that impact that he did. So, you know, that was great. And look, Lloyd Pierce say that that's, that's a guy who's been a head coach in this league. So I think that that was, that was, you know, Oh, we, we trust Lloyd he had good, good tenure with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he's coached with team USA before. So good stuff, but there were a few other talking points. Um, and I think that one of it is, you know, Pascal Siakam finished this game with 16 points, but he had 10 in the first quarter on four of five shooting. I felt that, you know, the Nuggets, they, they played them well defensively. There was double team. Siakam knew when to pass, but I was disappointed that, you know, Siakam finishes the game with, with 16 shot attempts. I felt like it wasn't enough. I felt like at times maybe could have been a little bit more aggressive. Obviously, it's up to the Pacers to hit their shots, but when you see him have 10 in the first quarter, you don't think he's going to finish the game with 16. That was a bit tough. No, it was. I mean, he got his 12th point in the second quarter with like four minutes left, I think, in the game, something like that. And, and he was just cooking Aaron Gordon. You know, I wasn't upset about it, even though I'm a big AG guy. But you are. I was I was enjoying it. I was like, keep cooking him, Pascal. We need this win. So I don't care. You know, drop 50 on him. Please do yeah, something special. Please. But it was, it was just, I, I think that him getting going so early – it, it caused Denver to react to him. And I think so. Really draw a lot of attention to him. But if you look, he had opportunities in the second half, and he was actually making the right reads. He was. When a double team was coming, he was passing to the open guys. Guys were missing shots. Uh, there was one There was one play specifically that I know Caitlin Cooper tweeted about, and then our guest that we're having on for tomorrow's show, S, he he put out a, a video of this, uh, of this sequence. Ben Matherin, Throws, you know, gets himself stuck in a situation where he steps through and throws a shot off the backboard, trying to get his rebound, can't get it, and turns the ball over. Try to Kobe but, Bryant that. I, yes. I saw that. It didn't yeah. work out. Yeah, exactly. So Kobe, no, Matherin, exactly. Um, yep. that that mm-hmm. that's going to come back and him right there. Yeah. But in that sequence, KCP was guarding Pascal, and Pascal took him down into the paint and went to post up. Ben looked right at him and didn't give him the basketball. So. You know, this to me is where you're just going to figure guys out what they like, what you're trying to run offensively. It's going to change a little bit because Pascal plays a different style. And we know that the places that are his sweet spots on the floor aren't necessarily the sweet spots Indiana's run in their offense normally. So he is a guy that's going to be thriving in that mid-range with his back to the basket, drawing double teams, kicking to open guys. And that can be beneficial, but guys got to hit their shots. So, you know, I really felt like Siakam, he had a – um, he had a nice basket at the end of the game to cut the lead to two, I believe it was. And Miles Turner actually had an amazing pass, one of the best passes I've seen from Miles Turner in his career when he I looked agree. off the defender. And I think he was, you know, looking at Jokic like, okay, watch me pass the ball. And so he's looking straight out the three point line, and Siakam's on the baseline, and he just dumps it off to him real quick from the three point line. So I just thought. You know, Siakam was just trying to find the right opportunities without forcing too much. He did force a few shots here and there because he did take 16 total shots in the game for 16 points. Not great efficiency, but I don't know. I just feel like he wasn't as bad as maybe the box score looked. I think his box score looks a lot better if guys actually make shots. And maybe if he got a couple of the foul calls that Rick Carlisle was complaining about, because I do think he got hacked a few times when he drove to the basket. He had one trip to the line for two free throws. He was deserving of more free throws. And he had four assists in this game. 
probably could have been seven. And and that's that's being that not everybody's going to make every shot. But there was opportunities where guys were just kind of clanking off the rim, and you know th- that was a bit tough. Um, but obviously, you know, for the for the home debut, you know, I think we all wanted to see just some killer game, and it, it'll come. He also did have ten rebounds, which can't go without mentioning. I mean, that led the Pacers, so that was great to see. Um, but overall, though, there was a few other things. I, I thought Turner Turner had had some some good moments. You know, twenty two points. You know, six boards. All right. I think that Andrew Nemhard had some some moments of, of better play. I think that you know we saw the Pacers go with Nemhard in the starting five compared to T.J. McConnell. Um, I, I think that that was a, that was a move that that I liked. I just prefer McConnell off the bench. I really do think that he's just been better in that role. Uh, but one thing that we didn't mention is Jalen Smith tweaks his back before the game, does not play. That had some people shook to their core on Twitter. I mean, people were like, I don't know, where where is he? Were you one of them? Trade? I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I saw you had me alarmed when you were like, he's not on the ESPN roster. I was like, wait, whoa. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Is there some sort of trade that's maybe been reported out by, like, someone other than Woj or Shams? I didn't know. But obviously, once it then came out about the back, it was just like, why is that the case that Isaiah Ed Jackson finally comes back and Jalen Smith goes out. And it just feels like a little bit of whenever you get one pacer back, another one goes. And that, that's just kind of been the story this year. Yeah, we can never get a full deck of cards. We just keep getting a handful, right? So it is a bit frustrating. But, yeah, you know, I might have actually been wrong on that when I looked. Only going to say this because I remember pulling up my phone later in the night to check out the stats. And for some reason, I was on the old Nuggets game. And so maybe when mm. I looked at the bench, Jalen was in the starting lineup, and that's why I didn't see him in there. I, it could have just been me with a glitch. I don't know. But I ended up deleting that tweet just because the Pacers put out their, <laughs> you know, uh, their report that he was questionable to return, and he didn't even enter the game. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a bummer because I was kind of curious to see how the Pacers would utilize Isaiah Jackson once he was available to come back. Would he have gotten those back up five minutes? Or was it going to be Jalen Smith? I do think Jalen Smith provides a different look mm-hmm. against DeAndre Jordan. I don't necessarily think you know having Isaiah out there running around is the worst thing because it does put DeAndre at a different. Uh, it puts him at a disadvantage just because he's not quick like that anymore. Anytime DeAndre Jordan's out there on the court, I'm like, oh, thank God the Pacers get a break from Jokic, and that is that is probably the biggest drop off from starting center to backup center in the entire league. There's no doubt about that, and that's not even just saying how good of a guy Jokic is it's so it just says how bad DeAndre is DeAndre is totally lost I mean I I still don't understand how he is a backup center in the league he should be a third string guy not getting any minutes I would rather trust Aaron Gordon at the backup five than Jordan at this point I from what I've seen so far that is gross it's a it's a blessing for other teams and just the Nuggets bench in general like I don't know I I just feel like Reggie Jackson there were so many moments where he just hit some stupid shots, and I'm like, what, what are we allowing this guy to do this for? And I was so mad at Matherin on that one possession because Matherin got up in his grill, and Jackson kind of like lowered his shoulder into Matherin a little bit to create separation, and Matherin tries to flop and sell the call and just allows all the space for Jackson, and then, and then Jackson just hits the bucket. I'm like, Matherin, just play defense. There's like four seconds left in the shot clock. So – I will I just say this. I want to go a little bit on a rant about Ben Matherin because Ben Matherin was atrocious the last two games before this game. Yes. One of 16, got benched. You know, Rick Carlisle actually in his postgame presser said something about 
we don't want selfish basketball around here. And if you're not going to make the right plays, you know, we're not going to put up with that. He didn't say Ben Matherin's name specifically, but you could tell who he was calling out indirectly. And there was a lot of sass behind Carlisle's tone there. And I think Carlisle is just fed up with it. And so I saw a different version of Matherin in the first half. We saw him much more committed. He was looking for Pascal. He was looking for Obi Toppin. Had a great pass to him on a pick and roll. Had a shot going. Everything seemed to be flowing well. And then it's like he got comfortable again. And the second half, he reverted back to old Ben Matherin. Made a lot of bad plays. He was really unplayable in the second half. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm really getting tired of the inconsistency from Ben Matherin. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll tell you this, in the first half, to be specific, 
So uh, overall for the game, 11 points, five boards, three assists. At halftime, he had nine points, three boards, three assists. It's just he stopped looking for other players. I mean, the three assists came early. It was, wow, okay, hey, look, he might finish the game five assists, whatever it may be. The shot's falling. He was three of five, finished the game three of eight. So I I just felt like in that second half, you really did not get anything out of Benedict Mather. And that, that was tough to see because the Pacers needed more. It felt like off the bench. You had T.J. McConnell, you know, who really it felt like got a lot of his points on a, a specific stretch, but still, McConnell absolutely produced. And then I just felt like there was the rest of the bench. I mean, Obi, you know, really didn't bring much to the table. You know, he had 17 minutes, four points, two boards. Isaiah Jackson just played nine minutes, three points, two boards. You know, Ben Shepard ha- had that run, which which was great. Uh, but I just felt like you needed more out of the bench. You didn't have it tonight. But Matherin, someone that, like, you look to Matherin for more than 11 points. And I just felt like tonight was, uh, while he wasn't as bad as the previous two games, that second half, there was nothing there. No, he was MIA. And it's it's frustrating because I, I believe in Ben Matherin. I really do. And the ceiling is there for him. But, man, he just cannot figure it out. I mean, it is so difficult to just see a guy, all this potential, I don't I don't want to hear anything about Rick Carlisle holding him back because the way that Matherin responded after the two games that he played in that first half was exactly the response you want when a guy gets chewed out indirectly by his coach in the in the media. And maybe Matherin heard it, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But all I know is that he deserved it. He deserved to get his butt chewed out. He was just awful. And they need him to be good. They need him to be like a sixth man for this team mm-hmm. because that's what he provides is just that, that high-level scoring, getting to the basket, getting to the free-throw line, you know, potentially being good on defense. We've seen the flashes from him. It's just not been all put together consistently. And at this point now, I'm just not really relying on him, on him for anything consistent. Anything we get from Matherin to me at, at this point is just an extra. So I, I don't really know what else he's going to do because – I don't think he gets back into the starting lineup whatsoever. I think he's going to ride out the rest of the season on the bench. He probably doesn't like that, but I don't like his fit next to Pascal Siakam and Tyrese Halliburton and and, and Miles Turner. I just don't think it's the right pairing. So that's a little bit concerning as well moving forward. I mean, I'm not trying to be all like knee-jerk reaction after one game, but I think this really the last three games, it's just been okay. Now that we've got Siakam, it's really been a, a bit of an adjustment period for Ben Matherin, how how will he figure things out? Because it feels like everybody else is at least trying to play the right way where Matherin's almost like feeling pressure now that there's another guy there that maybe is a little bit higher than him in the pecking order in terms of who's getting the basketball. That's a great point. I mean, now you are talking about, look, you know, Bruce Brown didn't need a lot of shots. You know, he could have games where he could might, you know, 10 points, averaged about 11 points with the Pacers. You know, Siakam needs... You know, 14 plus shots. And and I, I do think that could be a little bit tough for Matherin, you know, to swallow. So we'll see what happens at that. Obviously, the Pacers still very much believe in him. They did not make him available. It would absolutely stun me. I would be shocked to my core if he was somehow moved at this deadline. I do not see that happening. So no way. We're gonna, we, there's no chance. So it's like <laughs> we're going to give this plenty more time. So I'm excited because I do think the best basketball is far ahead of him. It is. It's just we need more consistency out of him. He just, 
he can't be, he's too good to, to, to do what he's doing right now. So we want to see more of a complete performance, but you know, for this Pacers team, uh, one of the things that kind of surprised me was Alex, they had six, three point attempts at halftime. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because a couple of games ago, they had 27, three point attempts at halftime. Just six Portland, at right? Halftime. Yeah. Just six at halftime felt like it was not Pacers basketball and in the end they shot five of 21 from three the starting lineup was atrocious from three i mean they were uh two of 17 from three so just just brutal this is exactly where you miss tyrese halliburton to be able to get guys better looks in specific aaron neesmith tough shooting night one of seven from three point land for a guy that was shooting about you know, what was it, 47% from three, uh, you know, recently, or at one yeah. point, I think it is, uh, yeah, 47% Aaron from Smith. three, and he goes one of seven. That's something you don't expect, and in this game, and it's not that it comes down to one play or anything, an extra three-pointer, that makes a big difference in this game. Yeah, I mean, Anismith had some really good looks. He just couldn't get the ball to fall. So that's a little bit frustrating. Obviously, Miles Turner went 0-5 in this game after he had a big night in Portland, you know, made a bunch of threes there, and it felt like, man, if him and Pascal can play like this, watch out. You know, there's a lot of uh, potential here with that duo, but you're right. I mean, nobody made more than one three-pointer in this game. T.J. McConnell even pushed one in. He hit one! His second made three of the year. I rubbed my eyes like it was like Christmas Day. I couldn't believe what I saw. I was like, McConnell, his second made three? I was like, babe, take a good look at that. That might not happen again this year. I hope it does, but it's not a guarantee that it does. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a it's a low light for sure. But he made the three-pointer, and I was like, okay, let's go, TJ. Let's go. Like, I was like, got to put him back out there. I mean, he was a plus 10 in this game, Fachi. That that just yeah. tells you, like, how good he was. Obi Toppin was a plus four. Ben Shepard was a plus seven. Surprisingly, Mather was a plus two, but I think part of that was because he was out there when McConnell had that huge run. Yes, exactly. So that does kind of balance that out, but... You know, I I feel like overall this was a pretty great effort from the Pacers. I mean, under you know, undermanned, no Jalen Smith, no Tyrese Halliburton, still trying to figure out how to integrate Pascal Siakam. You're playing the defending champions. This is a team that you just lost to last week in a close game on the road. You almost pulled one out of your butt by beating them when you really were down by a lot. And you just scratched and clawed and, and took a 13-point lead down to six and down to four. And you eventually take the lead on a Ben Shepard three, and he just could not get over the hump. And three-point shooting was a big reason why. And it's like this team, they didn't even shoot that many threes. 21 threes does not feel like that many for this Nothing team. Nothing for the Pacers, yeah. But for the fact that they only made five, I'm glad they didn't stick with it. I'm glad that they got away from just chucking threes. But I think, you know, Buddy Hield really never got going. And when he's out there playing, you know, he's he's gotten better defensively. Like, I actually thought he had some good moments in this game, but there was also some times where he got switched out into space and it was just like a traffic cone for the Pacers' defense. I just – I want to see more consistency from this group, and we have yet to see it. But if you just go back and look at the Nuggets, man, they the Nuggets did not play well in terms of their other players. Jokic and Murray had 62 of the 114 points. The next closest scorer was Reggie Jackson off the bench with 13. So they kept Gordon in check. Porter Jr. was kept in check. Oh, excuse me. Caldwell Pope had 14. So he had one more point than Reggie Jackson. But still, 
you know, we got lit up from three by Michael Porter Jr. in Denver the last time they played last yes, week. Yes, we did. And he only had five points. He was two and nine from the field. Aaron Gordon, just three of five for nine points. You know, Peyton Watson had some good moments. He only had seven points, though. Jordan had two points in 11 minutes. And then Christian Brown had two points in 15 minutes. So this, to me, is a Nuggets team that needs some depth if they're going to be a real championship contender because they cannot just ride the coattails of Jokic and Murray, in my opinion, all the way to the NBA Finals. They need these other guys to step up and be more consistent. But Pacers had an opportunity to pull one out here, and they really let this one slip away. They did, and here's the tough thing. You know, it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda, but they now play Denver really well without Tyrese Halliburton in two games. If the Pacers had had Halliburton and won these two games, could you imagine the confidence boost for this team to say, we beat the defending champs twice this year, two out of two times, we beat Boston twice, we've beaten Philly, we beat Milwaukee four times. It's like the Pacers coach fired. Yeah, you can make make that argument. I mean, Adrian Gripper was never really the same. Uh, that that's tough. So it was an interesting day in the NBA between Adrian Griffin getting fired, Terry Rozier getting traded to the Heat. Um, you know, there there, there was some stuff going on. So I think that this is uh, the NBA. It never sleeps. There is going to be even more stuff going on in the next few weeks. You know, we've heard that Denver. Was a team that they're interested in bringing uh, Bruce Brown back, but you know they don't have the assets to be able to make it happen. You, you talked about how they do need something else on this team, but I don't know what they're going to be working with asset wise. So that's going to be interesting. But I, I do think the Pacers played good enough to be able to live with this loss and not feel that uh oh we're in trouble here. I know that the, the L's are starting to pile up, but I still feel good enough to be like okay. When the Pacers are healthy, we got a good roster right now. Can we add to it? Can we get better? Yes, we can. But, you know, my last point, just, you know, as you mentioned, when you touched on Buddy Heald, it's just, it's been tough because this is a game the Pacers needed Buddy in. I felt that he was awesome against Phoenix. 18 points. It's great to see. But look at this past month of January. There's only been three games that he scored less than 10 points. In those games, he had zero points. Zero points. And three points. Mm. It's like you gotta you gotta fall somewhere in the middle for a guy who's only averaging thirteen on the year. It's like I would like it if his bad could be eight. You know, could it yeah. be something like that? Something where it's like okay, you could live with that because hey, if Buddy Hill gives you eight points in this game, the whole the whole outcome might be different. You're talking about maybe one made three, whatever it may be. And, and to his credit. He did only play 22 minutes, which is not a lot of minutes, and he didn't put up a lot of shots. We've seen Buddy have games where it's like he's missing, but he ain't going to stop shooting, and this was not the case. Just goes one of three yeah. in this game, so it was a very uh, unlike Buddy type of performance. All right, can I can I put you on the hot seat and ask you three questions? I'm sweating already. Okay, question got? number one. Would the Pacers have been better off including Buddy Hield in the package for Pascal Siakam and, and keeping Bruce Brown? I'd say yes. I mean, look, here's the thing. Buddy Hield, everybody's spacing, spacing. It is very important. Much better three-point shooter. I get that. But you could still revisit uh, you know, Bruce Brown in the offseason as a major trade chip. So you still had that opportunity. But 
you know, obviously right now, hey, look, Bruce Brown didn't factor in the Pacers' plans moving forward. Maybe Buddy does, but I think that that is also could have been somewhere where you could have moved Buddy and then revisited a Bruce Brown trade in the offseason or maybe even additionally at the deadline as you, you're hearing. He's got so many suitors right now. Everybody's popping up as a Bruce Brown fan now. Yeah, it's it's one that I kind of feel like I agree with too. I think that I would rather have Bruce on this team. And I was – Talking about that a lot, like we both thought having Bruce with Tyrese and Aaron and, and Miles and Pascal, it just was like a much better defensive unit. You still have secondary playmaking with Bruce Brown, and he wasn't great. But I think part of the reason why maybe they didn't move off of him really was because it helped with the salary in terms of only having to get rid of Wara plus Kara Lewis to make the deal happen. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if there are some, if there is any truth to the fact that he was unhappy in Indiana, you have to move off of them. That's that's yeah, always done right by by yeah. by players that have not been happy or wanted to change. They have done right. Hopefully, yeah. Bruce Brown spreads that message around because that would help players to be like, "Hey, look, if it doesn't work out there, they'll they'll uh, you know they'll hear you out and do their best to accommodate you." Yeah. Okay. So two more questions. The next yeah. one. We saw Ben Shepard get the minutes at the end of the game over Buddy Hield. We saw Ben Shepard go all out defensively and have a, the the defensive play of the game. Is there a case where you think that this team is ready for Ben Shepard to be the backup two, or, or at least consistently in the rotation as a backup guard, whether it's with Matherin or not over keeping buddy healed and, and it makes buddy healed more expendable. I don't think that Ben Shepard's ready just yet to step into that role as the backup two. But I think that the Pacers are doing a great job of giving him more exposure, getting him out there. And I, what I could say is that that effort and that those, whatever you want to call it, two, three possessions of back and forth, and back and forth. I have never seen that at a buddy heel. A buddy heel is not one to be jumping into the stands almost or diving on the floor like that. Um, it was fantastic to see, but I, me, you, and many other fans of this team, when they drafted Ben Shepard, it felt specifically like Buddy Heald's replacement. Eventually, one day, is that at the trade deadline? I don't know. Is that going into next year? Most likely. I, I, I'm one of those people that just says, I just don't think it makes sense to give Buddy Heald the type of contract that he's looking for at this point in his career. Good player, but a lot of people can argue the best Best basketball, I believe he's already played. Yeah, I will I will say this, and it's not a hot take for me. I just think that the writing is kind of on the wall for Buddy it Hill is. with his time here with the Pacers, and I think that Ben Shepard has proven enough that if he's a 10th man on this roster, you can feel okay with moving off of Buddy Hill, even though you do like the shooting like you mentioned earlier. And I've talked about it just on the last episode that we did. The spacing for Buddy Hill is huge, and nobody else really provides that. But – Man, the way Ben Shepard locked in defensively, if he can do that on a consistent basis and kind of be that type of player moving forward and just be even more scrappy defensively, man, that's really hard to keep off the floor, Fachi. I just don't know how you do it. it. So that's something to keep an eye on. But the last question I have, and I think I got asked this question as well, but my opinion really hasn't changed much, but no Jairus Walker tonight. After we just heard Rick Carlisle praise him for the game that he had and for bouncing back after getting no playing time against Portland. And then he even said that that Jairus Walker 
could play some three and that he actually liked going bigger, yet they don't go bigger. They stay with their consistent lineup of nine that they had, and Jairus Walker gets another DNP coach's decision. Were you at all surprised, and do you think Jairus should be in the rotation consistently? I think earlier in the game I was wondering if we'll see Jairus because he came in earlier against Phoenix, like way earlier than usual, and I thought that that was the interesting part. Then this game just became so close, and I felt like when the Pacers were were trailing or, or, or trying to really get back in the game, then I, I honestly didn't even think about it just because I felt like that might not have been the opportunity for him when the Pacers were going back and forth and back and forth with Denver. They probably wanted someone a little bit more that they could count on, but in this situation, Isaiah Jackson plays just nine minutes. You know, Could he have maybe snagged some of those minutes? Could he have stole some minutes from Ben Matherin? It, it's very possible. I don't think that he would have had a big role but I think he definitely could have made an appearance, maybe specifically in that third quarter when they just needed a spark and everything was really going downhill. I think maybe that could have been an opportunity. I mean, what were your thoughts? I would say it was a little bit of a letdown, not getting to see Jairus play, but I also am not expecting anything when it comes to Jairus's minutes. I'm expecting him not to play. And so when he does play, it's more of a, of a surprise. And it's like, all right, you know, I'm not getting myself over like overhyped that he's going to play all these minutes, even after having a great game of 10 points, nine rebounds, and, and just doing what he did in Phoenix. Like it was a really special performance from him in that moment. But I don't know. I, I think that we're to the point where this roster is still pretty loaded with everybody healthy. It's going to be hard for him to get consistent minutes. I don't think they fully trust him yet, especially going up against a team like Denver you're trying to win games and you're trying not to let this race between the four and the eight seed get too far away from you. I think they still have plenty of time to recover. It's only a couple of games. It's going to feel big in the moment, but if they can get some of these games back in February, you'll probably be like, okay, yeah, those games did stink in, in, in January to end the season, but we got ourselves back on track. So I, I do think that Jairus Walker has a ton of potential with this team moving forward, but I just don't think that they're ready to fully trust him yet. And at that position specifically, they are pretty deep there. So Pascal is going to be playing 30 some minutes a night, most nights at that position. If he doesn't play the three and they're only playing about the four, he's really not going to see playing time. If they want to try to pigeonhole him into a three, three spot, I think that's fine, but I don't think that's his natural position. So now you're trying to force minutes to him in a spot that's not necessarily the, the spot he's going to play in moving forward. Even though you want to get him playing time, you got to find that right balance. So I, I think that I think Jairus is fine. This isn't one that I'm as worried about. I just I wish that we could get a little bit more consistency just for his sake, so he can kind of feel a little bit more confident and comfortable in what he's trying to do. Because you can make an argument, what could he have done differently against Phoenix to earn playing time in this game? There's a, there's a chance you could just say nothing. nothing. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of games that. Pacer fans are banging on the keyboard on their phone to be like, Jarrett needs minutes. I don't think this was that game. I I, I don't think well, I saw this it. Is, yeah, I mean, look, yes, everybody every game. Unfortunately, it. you're going to see it every single game. But I don't think that this is a scenario where things were going so bad that why didn't he get in? Or you know what? He could have made a difference. Could anyone have made a difference? Yeah, one play could could in a close game could swing some momentum or anything, but. I don't think that there was a big opportunity to get Jarris in this game other than the third quarter when things were going really bad. I think come the fourth quarter, it was just too tight. 
it was just going back and forth and the Pacers were really, you know, uh, on the comeback trail and they took the lead and they're fighting for the lead. So if it wasn't the third quarter, I don't think there would have been much of an opportunity, but Hey, you know, you have to have an opportunity in order to make the most of it. And I look forward to him having that next opportunity, whenever that may be, maybe it is against Philly. Maybe it's against Phoenix, knowing that he played well against them. Maybe there's some, there's some matchups they'd like to exploit. We'll see. But for, for now, Hey, while we don't want to always, like I said earlier episode, pat ourselves on the back. Guys, I think you got to be encouraged by this type of performance, knowing that if you have Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup next time, it truly does feel that you can compete and beat anybody on any given night with a healthy roster. This team's just not healthy right now. Absolutely. And until they get Halliburton back, it's just going to be an uphill battle for this team. Hopefully they can get one win against Philly and Phoenix. They need one badly. We'll see what happens. Hopefully Joel Embiid, all of his 70 points were left in San Antonio, in that San Antonio game, and he uh, he doesn't bring any into the game into the field house. So that's all we can hope for, Fachi. But let's go ahead and wrap this one up. It was a, it was a good game. I, I was glad the Pacers competed down to the wire. We got a lot of fun things to talk about, but Pacer fans, if you're worried about Pascal, I'll say just be patient. Spicy P is coming. He's just waiting for Spicy T to join him. So, Fachi, tell everybody where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace up Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content like this one right here. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the channel. Let us know in the comments what you think the Pacers could have done differently to pull out a victory against the Denver Nuggets. But we want to thank you guys so much for your support of this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and watch it. If you're excited that the Pacers are back home for three more games on this four-game homestand, then please hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace.